0: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Ag State of Mind podcast, a proud member of the Global Ag Network. I am your host, Jason Meadows. Today on the show, we have Shelby Powell from the Southwest Ag Center and also Brittany Schrick from the University of Arkansas. The Southwest Ag Center is something that was put together in late 1995 by the University of Texas Health Center at Tyler to serve the states of Arkansas, Louisiana, New Mexico, Oklahoma, and Texas as sort of a initiative for the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health. Uh, we today talk a little bit about some of the work that the Southwest Ag Center Is doing um, and how we're kind of how mental health is kind of getting lumped in with safety. And I find that's a really great place for it to be. Um, Before we get started today, I really want to like come out and tell everybody that. To this week is fair week for us here in Crawford County, Missouri. I am so excited to see all my friends, for my kids to see all their friends, for their hard work to be showcased in town, for all of their friends to come and see. Um, the county fair is a special place for me, and as much work and as much stress as it is, I could not l- live my life without it. So, I'm so excited and I hope that you will join me on my social media this week for many posts about the the county fair. So, um, all right, well, here goes my interview with Shelby Powell and Brittany Schrick of Southwest Ag Center. All right, Shelby and Brittany, welcome to the Ag State of Mind podcast. How are you ladies doing? doing? great.
1: Doing well. for having
0: me yeah absolutely shelby you reached out to me and one of the greatest things i can get on this podcast from this podcast is people who reach out and want to chat on the podcast that's like you know when i was first i've said this story many times when i first started this podcast that was my biggest concern: is who am I going to talk to? Who are people that are that are who's going to want to talk to me? And so, whenever this happens, it is like it's probably one of the best things that can happen to me. Like, and it just brightens my day. So, I appreciate you, and I appreciate you wanting to be on the podcast. So, um, I'm going to give kind of the floor to both of you, ladies, to kind of explain what's going on, and we'll uh, we'll chat from there.
2: Okay. Well, um, I'll go ahead and start. Uh, My name is Shelby Powell, and I'm the Outreach Education Coordinator for the Southwest Ag Center. Stands for a much longer name, but basically, in short, um, we provide health and safety um, training, education, injury prevention for agriculture workers and their families. And that actually includes uh, agriculture being farming and ranching, as well as commercial fishing and the forestry and logging workers. Um, So we cover Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, New Mexico, and Oklahoma. We've got a wide range of individuals from different backgrounds, and it's a lot of fun, a lot of work. Um, We get to talk to some really interesting individuals with years of experience from, you know, fifth generation farmers or more to first generation who are just now getting into this line of work. So it's it's really cool.
0: I think... You have got, there's got to be, so you know what, Brittany, you go ahead. (laughs)
1: Um, That's okay.
0: Sorry, I didn't want to break in there.
1: Um, I'm Brittany Strick. I'm assistant professor and family life specialist at the University of Arkansas Cooperative Extension Service, and much like Shelby, our actual title is much longer than that and uh, typically has people say, oh, wow, you said that all in one breath, but um, I'll give you the short version today. I work for the Cooperative Extension Service in Arkansas. Um, I oversee all of our marriage, parenting, family life, child care, and farm stress management programming uh, out of our state office in Little Rock. And we have 75 county offices all over the state. And I work primarily with our family and consumer sciences agents um, who do mental health programming out in their counties.
0: It's really super interesting. Well, first, I'm going to talk to the diversity of the agriculture sector with which you all cover. I'm always just, so I'm always been kind of in my little bubble when it comes to agriculture. Uh, I, I think things are the way they are in Missouri, and I don't think much else. But just a quick drive to Arkansas or Texas makes me realize how diverse uh, agriculture really is. And I don't have to go very far to find that. So especially Arkansas is one of the places where, um, you know, you can drive for a while from my house, and it looked just like my house, and then all of a sudden, it's rice paddies. And like, it's like, boom, it ha- it happens like that right around Jonesboro, which is about four hours yep. south of me. And uh, it's it's just it's amazing how fast the landscapes can change, and with those landscapes, how they change, how much agriculture changes. Uh, it's it's just really really interesting to me.
1: Yep, that Mississippi Delta. We've got lots of row crops, so soybeans, rice, and then you kind of get into a lot of um, poultry, uh, and then cattle um, in other parts of the state, and obviously we've got a lot of forestry down in the southern part of the state, fishing in other parts of the state. So, yeah, very diverse agriculture for such a small state.
0: And I think, uh, you know, what I was thinking of, uh, Shelby, when you were chatting was including forestry and fishing. And I think that's something that's not... I mean, probably more so from the academia side, maybe, but like from my side as a producer, we don't usually think of that, uh, think of forestry and, and fishing being lumped in together. But I mean, why, is, why would it be any different? You're providing protein, you're harvesting, I mean, a crop, which is a tr- just happens to be a tree. It's just, uh, I think it's just really interesting to think of it kind of all in the same breath.
2: Well, and yeah, it's not typical that you would think about it, but what they do have in common is Mm -hmm. their level of danger to the worker. And and so they're some of the top, most dangerous occupations in the U.S. Um, And so, you know, we're federally funded to provide this training and research to help better um, serve and protect these workers as they go out there and do their job and we like to consider ourselves more as, more as advocates. We wanna help them and partner with them. We're not trying to necessarily change a way of life or tell them what to do or boss them around or come in and say, hey, we're gonna start regulating and punishing you for how you do your job. You know, we wanna come alongside and say, hey, we'd like you to be around a few more years. How can we help you stay safe? And so That's the the good part of our job that I really like. There's a huge education piece. Um, And while we're doing that, we're building relationships with these workers and learning their stories. So it's really neat.
0: So safety is something that, like you say, uh, Alan, from the producer side, people yawn at or, you know, sometimes roll their eyes at, but I mean- how essential is it? Because, you know, if you want to talk about, if you want to roll it into a sustainability type conversation, what's more sustainable than being safe? Um, and I think it's a, when you look at it from, from that perspective, I think people are much more likely to pay attention.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, they're going to save, or, you know, we say the employer will save more money bringing in training And taking the time to train their workers for maybe one to three days versus having to pay medical costs or workers comp, whatever it may be, or just losing workers to sickness or illness, sorry, or injury. And especially for the workers as well. I mean, if they're missing work for a week, a month, however long it is because of an injury, I mean, that's devastating to their family, um, especially if they work as a, you know, a piece count and they're trying to work as much as they can, as long as they can. Um, Or even just a small family farm. You know, it's probably five employees and those five are the family members, maybe another person. And so who's going to do the job when they can't? And that's, that's the message we bring is, you know, who's going to take your place? Who's going to fill your boots when you're not able to work or if you're gone?
1: And at the same time, you know, producers are often willing to ensure you know their large equipment and their buildings and their their land, Um, and so it's important to ensure and take care of themselves and their you know their workforce because I mean what what is the what is the farm without people people to work it so um, that that combine is not going to do much if nobody can drive it so um, it's important to to ensure the the people power too.
0: So I find what you do. Your title, very interesting, Brittany, and you you talk about from, you're doing a lot of work from the people standpoint, from the relationship standpoint, and I'm not sure I've ever talked to anybody who does that. So tell me a little bit about that, and because I find that's really, really interesting, and also it's something that is sorely needed.
1: So a lot of what all, all cooperative extension services are going to have some aspect of family and consumer sciences. So typically,
0: right, you know, sure. we,
1: we, we typically think about it in terms of kind of taking care of the production. So if you, you know, if you, if you produce fruit, what are you going to do with it? And, you know, learning how to cook it and can it and things like that. And so I think a lot of times that gets... Top billing when it comes to family consumer sciences is that nutrition piece, but health and safety, um, personal finance, um, relationship management—all of those are really important because farmers live in families, they live in communities, and it's important that we that we take care of the producers themselves because without farmers, I mean, where, where's our, where's our production going to come from? And our, all of our, our rural communities are going to suffer and our states that rely heavily on agriculture production will suffer. And so it's really important to, to view the farmer and their family as a whole unit and as entire people besides just being producers. And so that's one of my goals in my work is to focus on the farmers as, as people who have lives outside of production um, and, and that they need to take care of themselves and be able to take care of their
0: families. So, and that's kind of where I've found my niche as well, is dealing with the human side of agriculture um, so much. And thankfully, so much of research of what we talk about, what we go to learn about is on the production side the animal, the crop, the machinery, the land, all important things. But what is also important. And the the ultimate of the ultimate importance is the producer and the family around them, and not just the family, like you said, the the rural community around them. It's a it's a very big onion. Mm-hmm. So that's where I've found that, like that's where my I don't want to say expertise because that's that, but my interest, my passion lies is in taking care of that human element. Because, for an Andy, Adrian DeSutter told me that we have to start viewing and help producers start to view themselves as assets, just like they would a combine as herd of cows, piece of land, whatever it may be. That's what you have. That's the way you have to start doing that is start having to view yourself and your family as an asset. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. That's a phrase I give credit to my boss, Amanda Wickman, but she says, you know, they safeguard the product. We're going to safeguard the producer Um, and you can't keep getting the product if you don't have the producer or really you can't have a quality product without a quality producer. And so if they're stressed, if they're rushed, if they're tired, overworked, um, which they often are, Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe that product's going to lack in quality or maybe something's going to happen to machinery there, you know, whatever it may be you know, you need the whole person and and the whole person is physical and mental health is
1: at their best. And in addition to that, you're going to have, you you would have people leave the the profession Um, if they are not, you know, if it's too stressful or at the very least you might have generational loss. So you might have, you know, grandpa or dad um, or mom who will do it. And then their kids don't want to, because they see how hard it is on their families. And so having that kind of care and understanding can help kind of maintain that generational interest in um, production.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's so, so much that goes into it. And I find it very interesting because I've seen this shift, not so much a shift, but like a take on approach of where we talked so much about safety before. And then when safety also kind of um, engulfs talking about mental health so what at what point do you think that really started to take hold? when did when did people start putting safety and mental health together? Brittany, if you want to take that sure. one.
1: I think that the kind of tipping point was around 2016. Uh, that's where I noticed it. there was a, what turned out to be kind of flawed information that came out uh, related to the high suicide rates among um, farmers and ranchers. And although it was, it ended up not being accurate and ended up being just somewhat retracted, um, it brought to light this, this issue that really is an issue and has long been an issue. And if you talk to anybody who was in production back in the 80s, um, whether they worked in actual production, they worked with producers, whether it be in the finance sector or in extension or anywhere else, they all know someone who died by suicide in the eighties. And, and it's very, it's still, it's still kind of a raw conversation to have with them even now. Um, And I think a lot of people are much more willing to talk about it because as a culture, we've become more willing to talk about it. So back in the eighties, even outside of farming and ranching, mental health was still not super widely discussed outside of certain circles. So, I mean, you had to be a rich person. You were a you know, in a very specific type of, I don't know, there's a type who would have gone to therapy or something time and sure. And now sure. it's much more widely accepted and understood to be just a part of just good health care generally to, um, to to take care yeah. of your mental health. So I think that a lot of it has just been a cultural shift, but there's also within the agriculture sector, I think there was a, a, a little bit of a fear that just kind of came out of that data to go, wow, oh my gosh, these, you know, these producers are really hurting and we need to come up with a way to meet them where they are and to try to come up with with ways that they will be comfortable accessing mental health services.
0: So I I am familiar with the study that came out. <laughs> yeah. I think most people who are in this space sure. are. But you can argue about the accuracy, the whatever of the study, but it, it, it brought it brought it Absolutely. to light. And no matter you know and you start and it started bringing about these anecdotes of people who are having the issues and more and more and you know then we go into a kind of a depressed mm-hmm. farm economy. I'm not an economist, so I can't say how it compares to sure. the eighties but feels similar. You know what I mean? And not to mention there are outside pressures that we may not have faced before. The world is much more connected via social media and whatever. There is much more call and need for transparency. So all of that to an already stressful industry, an already tight margin industry, and it just is going to kind of uh, it, it could just go out of control. So I, I'm I'm thankful yeah. for that study because it is like you said, it brought it to light. It brought people wanting to talk about it, and it's it's got a long ways to go, but we are. We're doing yeah. things and that's that's great there's a pe- lot of people starting to pull on this and I group. would
1: make the argument too that even though maybe the data were flawed in terms of how they were uh, reported, we don't really have a good handle on what the suicide rate mm-hmm. is among farmers and ranchers so while the argument could be made that maybe the numbers were inflated i don't we don't really know that because um, right. in in shelby's work <clears throat> with safety, a lot of farm accidents could be suicide. Who's to say,
0: right? right. Yeah. I mean,
1: if you, if you essentially drown in your grain bin, did, was that an accident or was this? So, I mean, there's just, it's hard to, it's hard to really get a handle on that, those numbers. And so I, I absolutely agree. I mean, we just, we, we needed the kick to kind of go, okay, we really need to talk about this. Whether or not those numbers are completely accurate is, I would argue, almost irrelevant. Um, I mean, as a, as a researcher, I want them to be as accurate as possible, but we're not going to get accurate numbers until we're willing to talk about this.
0: Yeah, and that was what, so thankful that that data came mm-hmm. out because more people wanted to talk about it so i'm interested in what you guys are doing together and so shelby if you wouldn't mind talking about that i give you the floor for that
2: yeah i'll kind of introduction to it and let Brittany kind of talk about her project but um the ag center offers what's called an outreach mini grant and so we kind of have money set aside to allow researchers to take on a project of their interest that would benefit the ag center provide data and information to us to then use for educational or outreach purposes. So Brittany, if you want to talk about what your project is. Sure.
1: So currently we're doing just like a six month uh, mini grant that has to do with uh, basically connecting with farmers and ranchers and other producers and agriculture workers in the state of Arkansas just to kind of find out what they feelings of stress are, where their stressors are coming from, and just to get a little bit of information about the actual farmers and rangers. We haven't done a needs assessment in um, Arkansas related to this area. We do needs assessments all the time with Extension, basically just asking specific questions about, you know, types of programming that you might want to see from Extension or, or things specific to production, but we haven't done anything related to to stress management. So currently what we're doing is we are reaching out to producers to ask them what they might want to see in this space as far as as programming goes. We currently have um, some programming available in our state, but we're looking to expand it. And so we want to make sure that what we expand it to is something that the producers will actually consume and also uh, will benefit them. And so we want to make uh, the best use of our our time and effort, obviously, and the time and effort of the producers to experience what we we create rather than creating stuff that we think they need that they don't really want. So that's our goal right now.
0: So what have you found is the best way to reach?
1: Well, historically, it's been, of course, face to face. That's that's extension spread and butter is to do face to face programming. But the pandemic, of course, kicked that out for a little while. Uh, and what we have found is that, it, which is something that I actually suspected before the pandemic, is that if we can get producers to embrace virtual or, or remote kind of learning, um, I think we can actually reach them better uh, and more often because they won't have to leave the farm. And so if they can listen to a podcast or if they can ex- they can um, attend a virtual, coffee break while they're sitting in the cab of their tractor versus having to drive into town to come to a, a meeting. I think we're more likely to get a lot of, uh, a lot more interaction with producers than we might if we expected them to constantly come into the, the local community. We do have some spots and I'm sure Missouri is the same way. We, we have some spots where uh, cell service isn't the best. Um, And a lot of our, um, especially our cattle production that's up in the mountains,
0: because the hills, it's going to be
1: problematic for that. We have other parts of extension of the vast network of extension that's actually working on uh, some of that remote connectivity. So I'm hoping that maybe that will these things will kind of couple in that way. But we we did notice some um, some interaction over uh, the pandemic time. Um, There were still lots of Attendance of of uh, online course, you know, offerings and things like that. And so, I think as more and more producers have to use technology for production, they become much more comfortable with technology. Sure. Generally, so it it just kind of all works together.
0: Yeah, sure. And the pandemic was tough, and I've talked about this before. But one of the things that I hope comes out of the pandemic is. The uh, for us to be able to see that we can use technology and be much more flexible with our with how we reach people, much more accessible. The wide range of options was just kind of thrown upon us, and people got creative with it, and you know through need comes innovation and we are doing all these things and you know I think the face-to-face are obviously still going to be important especially mm-hmm. now when people really are craving that but to see that there is an alternative you know how many times uh, has there been something in I mean I'll use for me Uh, in Springfield, or somewhere uh, in Columbia, where the University of Missouri is. And that's two hours away from me. And like, man, I'd love to be there. But I can't because it's two hours away. So two hours there, two hours back, that's four hours plus time I'm there. Mm -hmm. That's a whole day away. Whereas if it could be something virtual, you can just be sitting right here in front of my computer or not even in front of my computer on my cell phone in the cab of my tractor yep. for an hour. You know, so I mean, I think going to bring more value uh and bring more more people to the table.
2: Something I was gonna add too is you know, you mentioned, you know, we have now all these options for virtual virtual meetings or whatever. Um, you know, an issue with mental health and the rural population is Finding um, a provider that that you trust in your community or even having access to one. And I think, you know, the more these producers are getting used to technology, um, we hope that they will embrace telemedicine of um, seeing a counselor, you know, meeting with a therapist for like 10 minutes or 30 minutes of your day and sitting in the cab or whatever you're doing and just having that conversation with someone that you can trust If you're not ready to have it with a partner or loved one or whatever, and so if that's what's born out of this, you know, then that would be wonderful because it means, well, one, they're they're realizing there's a need for them to have conversations with someone about their stress, Um, and two, you know, we're embracing these new resources. And although we may not bring in more producers to a rural community, although we'd love to, they're going to find the resources they need to access help, and again, reducing stigma around mental health or whatever that means to them. And, you know, we try to use the word stress management or, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that because mental health still has a connotation that is negative or looked down upon. And and so if we can't, you know, build a positive connotation around it just yet, we're using other words and being creative to let them know, you know, you've got stuff, um, thoughts and feelings inside and whatever you want to call it. And you, once you start letting that out and talking to someone, you realize what a burden is taken off you and how much weight you feel is lifted. And so they're baby steps, but, you know, Mm -hmm. like the work that Dr. Shrek is doing and um, other people in the Ag Center, we're getting, uh, we're making
1: those strides. And so I think we're seeing progress in that area. I was actually going to say something similar. So I'm glad that you brought up the telemedicine uh, component, because I think, if you're if you can do a telehealth mental health consultation or visit in a place that you're already comfortable instead of having to go to another location and then you also because of the stigma um if you have uh um, you know you live in a small town you go somewhere somebody's going to see you <laughs> and and it gets around town right so can sit somewhere where you're already comfortable, even if it is in your home. But if you can be, if you can be somewhere where you're already comfortable, it's going to be just a much more effective interaction and you'll get more out of it. Um, I jokingly think about it as almost like confession. So if you're on (laughs) <laughs> on a yeah. phone or even on a video and you're sitting in the cab of your tractor or the cab of your truck or wherever you are and you're by yourself just kind of talking to somebody it's, it's it's less intimidating I think uh sometimes than than going to a place and we also just don't have enough mental health professionals in rural communities and so having the ability to yep. do telehealth is amazing.
0: Yep I agree yeah well we're nearing the end of our time here, Zoom is beautiful and only lets you get 40 minutes. So, and we used five minutes of that trying to get everybody <laughs> situated. And uh, that probably was my fault, not getting everything the way it should be. So um, I'd like to wrap up here and give you guys enough time to talk about anything that we did not cover and then where they can find all the things that we've been talking about online.
2: Yeah, I'll say real quick, um, some of the work we're doing um, with Dr. Shrek is... Well, we've kind of learned that when someone's stressed, they don't perform their tasks as safely or as if they were to do it, if they weren't stressed. And so, you know, that's a message we're kind of promoting right now is that, Hey, you know, if you're really stressed out and tense and worried about something that's happening, whether it's financial, family, social, whatever it is, you're tend to, you'll tend to be distracted in your work and you really should not be distracted when you're working with heavy machinery Um, or whatever else it is. And so, um, you know, that's the message we're trying to drive home right now. It's a really practical example. We hope that producers can understand. And as far as any resources, um, everything's on our website. It's just swagcenter.org, S-W-A-G.org. We've got a campaign we're promoting on social media just to um, promote mental health resources and stress management for producers. Um, And we're working on a project right now to hopefully get a a hotline created for rural residents awesome. to call for stress management and resources, whatever it may be.
0: That, so. That's great. That's yeah. a that's an incredible yeah. goal to be trying to strive towards because, you know, hotlines are, they're just a, that, that's a great, just to be able, and I've said this before, just being able to get your problems out, talk about the stuff is sometimes more than half the battle. So really, really key. And I think that's a really, really great place for you guys to be going with this stuff.
2: Yeah. Oh, one last thing. Uh, Mental health first aid. Um, it's not an organization that we help organize where we're, I'm a part of it. I'm now a certified trainer, but um, it's a really great tool that's been created to, um, for to teach people how to have conversations with mm-hmm. someone who's going mm-hmm. through Um, lots of stress or potential um, thoughts of suicide and so anyone can be trained in it they even have a rule version and so if anyone you know wants to be trained they can be and it's just like first aid but for your brain brain. basically Mm -hmm. allows you to have a conversation with someone and save time um, buy time for them so it's great
0: Uh britney anything to add
1: yeah, I'm, I'm glad Shelby brought that up. We're, that's one of the big pushes that we have in Arkansas as well. Um, we have some other funding outside of our Southwest Ag Center work um, with the Southern Region Farm and Rich Stress Assistance Network. And we are currently kind of screening uh, county agents to to go through the training for mental health first aid. And our goal is to have a, an ag agent and a family consumer sciences agent work together to reach the, their communities so that we've got agriculture workers and producers who are interested, but maybe uh, to work with someone that they already know and are comfortable with, they're more likely to know their ag agent. And so sure. having their ag agent be one of, the, one of the facilitators, I think would be really helpful. So that's, that's a big push that we have in Arkansas. I know Mississippi is doing um, a lot of mental health first aid work. And then we are also working. Uh, we have just a kind of a one-hour little training that's called Managing Stress and Pursuing Wellness. That was originally put out in North Dakota State University. Mm-hmm. Uh, we adopted it for Arkansas, and so we use that here in Arkansas. It's it's just um, kind of facilitated by the county extension agent, and they they work with with local groups um, to basically identify stressors, identify negative coping strategies, and hopefully help the participants replace them with positive coping strategies so that they can increase safety and increase productivity as well as their improving mental health.
0: Great. Well, great. Well, ladies, I really appreciate you guys coming on, sharing all the work that you're doing and just having a great conversation about mental health in agriculture, and I'm so happy to know that there are so many people that are starting to be on this task, and because it's it's going to take all hands on deck approach. Great. Thanks,
1: Jason. Yeah, Thank
0: you, girls. Right. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Ag State of Mind. We hope this episode has encouraged you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at AgStateOfMind. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.